Good to see all of you, and we're glad you're here. Um, you will be pleased to know I have a gift for you that in your bulletin it says that I'm going to preach on the first, uh, the completing the prologue of John's gospel, 14 through 18, but actually I'm only going to preach on verse 14 today. So you only get it all, just one verse, and um, there's more in that verse than we can cover today, but we'll do it as best we can. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to John chapter 1, verse 14. We'll read that together, and then we'll talk about it. John, in his prologue, has taught us a great deal about Jesus and who he is and his purpose, why he came. And now he tells us about how he came. In verse 14, the word became flesh and took up residence among us. We observed his glory, the glory as the one and only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your word. Speak clearly today to us, all of us, as we gather here. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I don't know about you, but I read a blog from a preacher this week that I think is pretty fitting. And he said... It's not me, but he said this. About three years ago, it was the very end of December, and I was not in a good place. I was frustrated, honestly, mad at myself. Our schedule had been out of control, and I was worn out. We'd planned too much, and the result was that everything felt stressful. If I'm truthful, Christmas just did not feel meaningful. It wasn't enjoyable. It wasn't fun. certainly wasn't Christ-centered. I felt disconnected spiritually, and the whole Christmas season seemed like a grind. Have any of you ever felt like that at the end of Christmas, that you're just wore out from all of the things? And I can appreciate that. And uh, we didn't feel that way this year at Christmas. We tried not to plan a lot of things, but we were still very busy. We had a lot going on. And it seemed like every evening and every weekend, but we had a good thing. I I want to tell you, I'm thankful for this church. in the bulletin, you see that we planned over a hundred or got together. You guys got together over, well over a hundred shoeboxes that went to the Samaritan ministry and were distributed out. What a great thing. I, that's the most that I can remember in a long time. Uh, two weeks ago, or I guess last weekend, last Saturday, we uh, sponsored the Pilot Mountain Baptist Association toy drive. And we were able to distribute toys to over 130 kids through uh, over 60 families. So that's a great ministry. This church, partnering with other churches, our East Oaks Outreach Ministry, was able to do a great work there. And so I'm thankful for you for doing that. A lot of you pitched in personally. And you provided coats or you provided meals or you provided whatever, toys, whatever, to people in our community. And we are deeply grateful for that because through that, we were able to see those folks when they picked up these items and they were deeply grateful and appreciative for them. And we're just a few days from opening our new storefront that I hope and I pray, and along with your help and the work of this church, that we can reach people in this community for Christ. We have a lot to do. One, one of the things that impressed me during the toy drive was the great need of the parents that came And we were able to talk to each one of those parents that came through, uh, AJ or Jacob or I or Brother Keith, uh, Karen Taylor from the association. We met with every one of those parents. There are some deep and pressing needs and almost overwhelming needs 
that you hear from people. And one of the things that impressed me about it is that we have made a little bit of a dent, but there's a lot to do. And so as I thought about this message, as I prepared my thoughts for this, I I was impressed that we serve a God who's great and big and powerful. And so we celebrate his coming today. And I want to talk about a little bit about what we've talked about so far. So a miracle, when the word became flesh, we talked about miracles. We're going to talk about another one today. Uh, A quick review, we see that Christ, from the prologue of John, we see that Christ is eternal. That he, uh, he existed alongside of God as a separate, distinct personality. And he was in fellowship with God, has been throughout eternity. That's what John tells us. Eternal fellowship with the Father. He is the creator and sustainer of everything. Through him, all things were created. Without him, nothing was created. So Christ was the creator of everything. And we see that he's the light of the world. So when Christ came into the world, he brought light to a dark world. His, his light, that's what, that's what we've been talking about. We've been talking about spreading light into darkness. And we find some things about what Christ did. When he came into the world, John tells us that he dispelled, uh, that he dispelled darkness. The darkness went away because of his light. Now, it didn't mean all the darkness went away. It didn't mean the whole world was lit up. But he brought a source of light into the world that's transmitted through the apostles, through the churches that exist today. And that is the source of light in the world and the power of God's spirit still working. And then we saw miracles last week, the miracles that John talked about in his prologue. He said that one of the great miracles when Jesus came into the world, he gave us the opportunity to be adopted as children of God. And then he gave us that if we believe that we can be born again. So John has introduced us to his whole gospel here and the power of Jesus. I want to talk about the third miracle today. And uh, it's, a, it's a stunning miracle that God came as a baby. If you, if you read carefully, I want you to look at the word, the word, and of course the word, we've been talking about the word, the word is Christ, the word is the fulfillment of God, it is who God is, it's, it's all the things that, that, that God, it is God, it's God's complete word, it's his complete manifestation in the world. The word became flesh, God became flesh, the, that whole phrase became flesh means that he lived or he tabernacled in the Old Testament term, that he lived in a tent. That God, that's the, that's literally what that meant. God lived in a tent. And so when Christ became a baby, he left earth, he came to Bethlehem, and he was born as a baby. God became a baby. And in fact, the, the, um, the New Living Translation, some of you may have that, says that the Word became human and made His home among us. The, the, the message, uh, uh, Dr. Peterson's, uh, Eugene Peterson's translation is my favorite. It said the Word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. So God, when He was born in Bethlehem, became flesh and blood and moved in the neighborhood. Not a very good neighborhood either, I might add. He was born to nobody parents in a nowhere place. He had no prospect of future with his parents. He had no, no material gains of any sort. He was born in a nothing country with no power or no influence. He was in every way to the world a nobody. That was the way he came into the world. In Bethlehem, Jesus 
was a baby. He needed to be fed and changed and kept warm and protected. He was a baby. And if you just think for a moment that when God became flesh, he spent his first night out of eternity in a feeding trough for animals. How about that? So he became flesh. He dwelt among us. He was born in a stable. The Bible's clear to say there was no decent place for him to be kept otherwise. The word came flesh. It's just about too big for us. If you go to um, Luke's gospel, and we read Hope, and um, Sydney read that for us this morning. And, re- and I just want to go through that with you because this is what the word became flesh looks like. It says that when Mary uh, and Joseph uh, went to Bethlehem, they registered for the census that the king, uh, that the, the emperor of Rome had called to them. And he says, and when they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him snugly in cloth and laid him in a feeding trough because there was no room for him in the end. We all know the story of Christmas, that Christ was laid in a simple manger, a feeding trough where animals would have been kept and fed. And so while God came into the world, probably more animals witnessed his birth than humans. That was how the word became flesh. Then he, then he's very clear to tell us, Luke tells us about the glory of God that surrounded this birth at shepherds. And you know the story of the shepherds. The shepherds were nobody people. They were also no worthy witnesses. They were dirty, unkept men. They were men that couldn't could not testify in court because they weren't very reliable. Uh, to the owners of the sheep herds, the lives of the sheep were more valuable than the shepherds' lives because they were trusted to protect the sheep with their own life. And so God chose them to be the messengers. And to, he proclaimed the message to them. So if you just picture that night in Bethlehem and just go out on a nice, cool, brisk night... And sit outside and imagine the whole sky lights up and there is an angel that stood before them and, 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 the, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And the Bible says they were terrified as you would be, as I would be. And the angel said, don't be afraid for look, I proclaim to you. He, the message was to them and to us. Great news, good news of great joy that will be for all people for today. The angel said, a Savior is born for you, who is the Messiah, the Lord, in the city of David. Church, I want you to hear that the Savior was born for you. That's why God did that. That was a demonstration for us. The Apostle Paul goes on from the humble story in Bethlehem. And as I, I don't know if theologians would share this, but I would say that this is Paul's Christmas story. And he says this in Philippians chapter 2. He says, uh, Make your own attitude like Christ Jesus, he says, who existing in the form of God. Now, if you exist in the form of God, that doesn't mean you just put a cloak on. I I couldn't put a cloak on and exist in the form of God. But Paul is telling us that Christ was God. He existed in the form and the nature and the power and and the eternity of God who existing in the form of God did not consider equality with God as something to be used for his own advantage. Instead, Paul says, he emptied himself, assuming the form of a slave, taking on the likeness of man. And when he he came as a man in his external form, he humbled himself 
by becoming obedient to the point of death. So Paul is telling us that as the word became flesh, he emptied out the qualities of God. He was still God. He still knew and understood and existed as God, but he was in every way a person. He gave up, he gave up heaven to be on earth with us. He existed in the form of a slave. He gave it all up. That's what the word became flesh means to us. That's Paul's version of Christmas. I, I don't know. I'm not a student of world religion, but I would say it's probably one of the first times that God's ever been described as being humble and meek and lowly. Jesus said that about himself. Uh, the, the idea to me that the maker of the universe, that the creator of the universe would shrink down and become a fertilized egg cell in the womb of a little teenager and be born into a baby is staggering to me. Completely staggering. And God did that for us. Why in the world would he do such a thing? Why would he do that? The Bible, and over in John 3, and we, we know this passage very well, and we'll get back to it in a few weeks, says that God so loved the world, he gave, he gave his only son, that if we believe in him, we will have eternal life and not perish. So God gave his son out of love. And I, I thought about that, and I started writing down some things this week. If, if God entered the world as God, that would... Be pretty flashy, wouldn't it? Everybody would want to be around God. If he came and was born in a palace, any palace in the world would be open to God. I mean, they, if they knew it was God, they, they would welcome him. But he was born, Jesus was born in Bethlehem under the control of the Roman government, the most powerful country in the world, and they didn't even know he was born. In fact, the only reason the Gospels ever mention Caesar Augustus is to note the event, to give you some historical fact. But when Jesus was born, his, his birth would be far greater than what, than anything that Caesar ever did. And he was a powerful Caesar. He was a powerful emperor. During Caesar Augustus, the Roman Empire enjoyed what they call Pax Romana, the peace of Rome. And Rome seemed to be doing pretty well then. But in a little province and of an unknown place, Jesus was born and and it would be on Jesus that we would divide our calendars. And through Jesus, we would have the Savior of the world. You know, so if Christ was born, to all the important people would be lined up to see him. They'd want to have him for dinner. They'd try to curry him for favor. They would flock to him. Uh, he would be a Hollywood sensation centuries before Hollywood ever even existed. It, it would be wide open for everybody. But Jesus... Slipped quietly into the world, unnoticed by everybody. The Jews rejected him mostly. The people of power and influence barely even knew he came. But instead, Jesus began a three-year ministry after he had spent almost 30 years in a carpenter shop in Nazareth. About three years he ministered. That's all that he did. That's all the impact that that we really see from his life. But then we, in that ministry, that we saw that he would seek out the worst sinners. He would find all the tax collectors and he would seek them out. The dirtiest, the sickest people, the, the lepers, the people that everybody discarded and cast out, he would, he would be, he would be there for them. The most immoral people, he sought them out, the prostitutes, 
People nobody would ever be around. The hurting, the hungry, the lost. He would minister to them and bring salvation to them. And so when God came as a human being, he did that to show us how much he loves us. So if you don't grasp anything out of today's message, I want you to know that Christ became God, became a man, became a baby to show us how much he loved us. And he emptied himself, taking on the likeness of man. Not only a man, but just an humble man when the word became flesh. Second thing, and I want you to see this quickly. We're going to talk more about it next week, but I want you to see it. And John tells us, says, we observed his glory, the glory as the one and only son from the father. John tells us that he, one of the apostles, the other apostles, the other followers, observed the glory of God as glory that came from the father right to God's only son. They were witnesses to God's glory. We see a little bit of a picture of it in, in the, um, in the account of, of Luke. The glory of the Lord shone around them. So when this little baby was born in Bethlehem, there was, there was God's glory that lit up the darkness. It filled the whole, the night sky. Just can't imagine what that would have looked like. And then can you imagine sitting at night and multitudes, which we would describe as thousands upon thousands of angels that covered the night sky, the glory of God. This was no ordinary baby in Bethlehem. John said that he and the other apostles saw Jesus' glory, the glory of God. They saw him heal. They saw him teach. They saw him raise the dead. They saw him take lepers who had incurable diseases and make them well. He saw them take blind people who could never see and never had seen and make, make them able to see. He saw them cure the spiritual ills of people. They saw the glory of God. And so we know that Christ brought great glory into his life. The, the third thing, when the word became flesh, he's full of grace and truth. Now I'm going to talk a lot about grace and truth next week. I, I didn't want to rush through it today. So I said, let's, I'm just going to mention grace and truth because John, John mentioned it right here. He said that Christ is full of grace and truth. He's telling us the tools of salvation. Christ came ready for those things. If I showed up in my, in your yard tomorrow and you were going to have me work on your well, be a very bad idea, by the way. But if I did and I showed up with no tools, you would say, you can't work on my well because you don't have any tools to do that with. But if I showed up with my truck and all my equipment, you would say, I guess he's here to do the work. When Christ came into the world, he came into the world full of grace and truth. Those are necessary elements for salvation. You got to have truth. He came with truth. He was God's truth. He brought God's word. He proclaimed that. To all the people. He set a standard. He told people what God taught. What God said. What God wanted us to believe. God's truth. It doesn't change. It doesn't wipe away. It doesn't. It's not eliminated. It's God's truth. We have to know that. And then we have to have grace to go along with it. Because we all know our nature. And it's impossible for any of us. To fulfill God's law on our own. 
So Christ brought truth and he brought grace. He's full of grace and truth. That's what we need. Truth to show our sin, grace to forgive us. The word became flesh and took up residence among us and we observed his glory. The glory is the one and only son from the father, full of grace and truth. Okay. So what does this mean for you and me? How does this impact us? I, I, I want you to know, and, and many of you know well, and some of you may know of it, but that the word becoming flesh has a huge impact on us. Because Christ was a baby but grew into a man, was the son of God. He came, lived his life, a perfect life. The Bible tells us that he lived without sin. He lived without, he was tempted in every way like you and I are. He was exposed to sin. He was around it. He, he, was, he was offered it. He just never did it. Not a thought, not an inclination, not any sin of commission or any sin of omission, not any lack of will. He was in perfect alignment with his father through his earthly life. And as we'll learn in two weeks, John will call Christ the Lamb of God who took away the sin of the world. So Christ would take on the sin of the world and would provide a method of salvation for you and I. So the word becoming flesh is powerfully important to us. Wherever you are to know, wherever you are today, and we have folks in all kinds of situations. We have, we have people that are grieving. We have people that are sick. We have people that are on top of the world. We have people that are struggling. But wherever you are, know that Christ is a Savior for you. I, I heard a song this week that I wanted to share with you. I'm not going to sing it. I'm going to read it. Here, another Christmas gift for you. <laughs> David Crowder wrote these words. He's writing about Jesus. He said, you came for criminals and every Pharisee. You came for hypocrites, even one like me. You carried sin and shame, the guilt of every man. The way all I've done was nailed in your hands. The love that bled for me, oh, your blood and crimson streams. Oh, your death is hell's defeat. A cross meant to kill is my victory. It seems as just yesterday that Jesus died for me. So the baby in the manger is the Savior for all of us. The greatest wish that we could have for you this Christmas is that you know Christ is your personal Savior. That you know him. That you have trusted him. That you have a personal relationship with him. If you have that, you have all you need. So my prayer is that you'll come to Christ. Come to him in saving faith and get to know him this Christmas. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for loving us and for coming to the world as a baby to show that. Thank you for your power over sin and over death. Thank you for the victory that you give us for trusting you. And I pray that your work that has been finished and settled will be a part of each of our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.